Welcome to the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here and I hope you enjoy the journey with me. Hey, happy Mother's Day, Life Church. Amazing to see all you beautiful faces today. Um, can we just welcome all of our guests though with a, with a clap? Yeah, everybody, we're so happy you're here. Some of you, uh, you, may be, you may be small or you may be big, not big like in size, but older. And your mom said, when you, they said, what do you want for Mother's Day? And she said, I just want you to go church with me. And so if you are here because of that, well done. Way to go. You made your mom happy today. And y'all know that, that you kids, do you know that there's a Bible verse that moms and dads love? It's from 3 John 1, 4. And it says, I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. And that is a, that's real. Every, every Christian parent really feels that way. We really, really do. And you know, when we hear that, that was Paul, uh, ta- I'm sorry, that was um, John talking. He was writing a letter to his friend, Gaius. And he was actually saying, I have no greater joy than to hear that. And, and you know, when we hear that our children are walking in truth, that means that they're walking with Jesus because there is no truth apart from him. Right? So that's what that means. And so we all love that so much. We have no greater joy. Now, I have become a grandmother this year for the first time. Yes, and you're going to see her picture. And I want y'all to act like that's the prettiest baby y'all have ever seen. Right? Look at her. That's right. And her Aunt Jill bought her that little bunny. It's the cutest little thing. And she loves it so much. That's little Haven. I know, she's four and a half months old, and that just makes me so happy. And I'm wearing my bracelet today that Emory made me for Mother's Day. See it? I don't know what you call them, but I, I, I got it on today. Yep, so I'm getting it all done. So I want to tell you, though, before I start, that I am not going to be preaching today on Esther or Deborah. Because, you know, when the pastor's wife preaches on Mother's Day, that's the big joke. You know, are you preaching about Deborah or Esther? And I want to tell you, they're both fine women, right? But that's not what I'm speaking on today. I felt like the Lord has given me a word that I've sort of been sitting on for weeks, if not months. I have talked to Tim at length about this word. And um, how many of you would say right now that our country is in a hard place? It's just a hard place, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot going, I mean, really in the whole world. But would you also agree that it's hard to find Christian values and virtues in our society when we just look out. It's really tough to find. So today, I want to talk about one of those virtues that our lives should be marked by, and that is the virtue of honor. Honor. Now, um, I think it's sorely missing in our society, but you and I hold the key to bring it back into our society, we actually can do something about it. It's not a lost cause. We actually, we, you and I actually can do this. Now, when you say the word honor, it kind of makes you sit up a little taller, or it should kind of make you sit up a little taller, kind of call yourself to attention a little bit. Every report that I could find about America and American cities all say that crime rates have skyrocketed and so have violence, right? 
I know y'all, y'all see the same stuff I do, right? Y'all are looking at me like, what? But that it's real. Everything has gone up in a negative sense. It's just not fun. And our country literally doesn't look the same as it did five years ago. It's happened so quickly, so fast. So I know you're like, well, Harriet, what, where is the good news? Like, right, where's the good news for today? And I'm getting there to it. So today, you and I are gathered in church We are professing the Lordship of Jesus Christ and we are worshiping him collectively or corporately. Am I right? Can I get an amen? That's what we're doing. From that view, what I want to point out to you today is that Christianity is the only religion in the entire world that is others-centered. You can go look it up for yourself. Every single belief system that calls itself a religion All of them are about self, a higher self. Let's think about ourselves. Self-improvement, mental health, self, self self-help, just self, 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 self. But you all, we were made in the image and the likeness of God. And we will never know wholeness or peace looking at ourselves. We will only know it when we know that we are conducting ourselves and living our lives through the lens of mirroring, imaging the one who we were made to be like. You can't find it anywhere else. And I'm gonna tell y'all, there's some of you that need to get that today. That will set somebody free today if you'll get a hold of that. That will actually help you. Christianity is totally different than every other religion, and it should be, right? I mean, it absolutely should be. So we find wholeness and peace when we operate from this place of being an image bearer of the one who created us. So what does all this mean? It means you and I are called to live a life of honor and show those characteristics in our day-to-day life, that that should be part of our attributes and our character. And I know y'all are saying, but we live and have to drive in Wilmington. (laughs) Y'all pray for me, because it is just a lot sometimes. Does anybody else feel that way? You leave your driveway and you're like, here we go. Here here we are, We're we're out in it. I don't even know what this means anymore. I want you to ask yourself though this morning, is my life marked by honor? Now, and I want you to know that I'm talking, I'm preaching to myself the same as I'm preaching to you. I'm not standing over here going, I got this whole thing figured out. I'm, I'm right in there with you. Are our lives marked by honor? I'm just gonna let that sit there for a minute because I would venture to guess that for some of us, yes. For some of us, no. For most of us, sometimes, right? Sometimes. So let's dive into the word. What does honor actually mean? Honor is a Hebrew word, or it is taken from the Hebrew, from this word. And this particular word has two pronunciations, two different spellings, but they mean the same thing. And the word is kabod or kavod, one with a B, one with a V, as in victory. And both of those words mean glory or weight, weightiness. Glory or weightiness. Now, in the Hebrew, if you're, you know, if you're reading the Torah, 
you will find all through there, there's all kinds of mentions of honor. And there's different words used for honor, but if you will go look those words up, every one of them thread themselves back to this one word, kabod or kavod, glory or weight. How many of you would agree with me that when you are in the presence of honor, you know it, right? Me too. Honor is always attractive, always. There's a weight to it. There's a heft behind it. So it makes us look at it. It makes us pay it attention. There are many places in the Bible where honor is used. And if this is something today that you, because I'm not going to talk about all of them, but you may have a real interest in this. I will encourage you, go this week and look in your concordance, look up the word honor and go find the other places where it's mentioned because the Holy Spirit might be calling you upwards in honor in a place where I'm not gonna talk about today. So go dig it out, study it out and look at it. You will be amazed at how many places it's there. Now, I'm gonna give you four seats of honor today that I'm gonna talk about. And I pretty pretty much kinda know, and I'm making an assumption that I kinda know my audience today. Can y'all say amen? I kinda know, and I'm making some broad assumptions. So my first assumption that I am making is that at Life Church, we're putting our grocery carts back up. Y'all know what I'm saying? Don't y'all leave your grocery cart out so that it rolls across the parking lot and hits somebody's car and damages it. Y'all know what I'm saying, right? I'm making the assumption that y'all are all taking those extra 50 steps and going and putting your grocery cart up. I'm also making an assumption that y'all aren't cheating on your taxes. Y'all are like, she is meddling now. But I wanna say to you, I I didn't say that y'all aren't finding a legal loophole. What I'm saying is cheating on your taxes. I'm also assuming that y'all are generous to your local church and that you don't just give your time, you give your money and your resources and that you also give to charity. I'm making some broad assumptions. I am making an assumption today that y'all are not taking the handicapped parking spot if you're not handicapped. Because that is not honorable under any circumstance. If y'all, can, if y'all can get out of your cars and walk around Target and Walmart, park your car in a regular parking spot. Y'all know what I'm saying. So I'm making some big assumptions, okay? Big ones right there that all of us are kind of on the same page in some of these areas. But here are my four seats of honor today. The first one is parents. The second is age. The third is authority. And the fourth is all. Parents age, uh, sorry, parents, age, authority, all. Now, the other assumption that I'm making, it's a pretty big one, is that everybody in this room under the sound of my voice or on video understands that I'm making an assumption that Jesus Christ is the very first place of honor in all of our lives. He's, He's number one. Nothing surpasses him. He's number one. So let's unpack the first seat of honor I wanna talk about, and that's parents. Our scripture from there is Ephesians 6, one through three, and it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Now here's the promise. So that it may go well with you, and you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Do y'all wanna live a long life? 
Do you wanna enjoy it? Yeah, me too. How many of you know people that live a long life and they are not happy people? You ever been around those people? They've lived a long time. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Old crotchety people that you're like, I don't wanna be that. I do not wanna be that. We wanna enjoy our life as we get older, right? Yes, amen. Yes, that's what we wanna do. So this is pretty self-explanatory, but let me tell you, this is not easy. Because parent-child relationships, those get complicated sometimes, don't they? There's layers to them. There's years and experience and all kinds of things there. What about parents who aren't honorable? What about parents that are unkind or cruel? Do we honor them? And my answer is a quick yes. Yes, we do. Now, I'm going to tell you why. You honor them because you are honorable, not because they are worthy of honor. You honor them because that's who you are. That's who we are as Christians. We honor because we are honorable. No matter whether the person we're honoring is worthy of it or we deem them worthy of it through our opinion. Now, you're gonna hear me say that a lot today, but honoring our parents is a lot more fun when we can do it through devotion instead of duty. But even if you have to do it through duty, do it because it's absolutely worth it. Either way, it's gonna bring a blessing into your life, right? That has a promise to it. And I don't know about you, but I want that. I'll take yours if you don't want it, right? You want a good long life that you enjoy, then do this one right here. Honor your mother and your father. Now, I will say to you, um, of course, everybody in this room, if you're here, you had two parents. <laughs> you had two parents at some point, right? This is one that I had to... My mama, I could honor her out of devotion pretty easily. My dad... I had to get to a point where I knew that I had to honor him out of duty so that it would set me free and bring the promises of God to pass in my life, no matter what he chose to do. Amen. Some of you may need, you may be there and you may be like, you know, what do I do? That's what you do. And you take it to the Lord and you trust him to show you a way forward. I had to do that. I used to hear this and think, mm, everything would tilt when I would hear it because I didn't know what to do with this one place. And you, some of you may be the same way today. I'm gonna tell you, take it to the Lord and he'll show you. He'll actually show you what to do. Okay, so here is the second seat of honor is age. Leviticus 19.32 says, you shall rise up before the gray-headed, and honor the aged, and you shall revere your God. I am the Lord. Now, this is from Leviticus, the book of the law. The Lord is speaking here. And when our kids were young, um, you know, Tim said it earlier this morning, we, we definitely were not perfect parents, but there was a couple things we really tried to do, and this one right here was one of them. When they were young, we taught them to literally stand up before the aged. Get up out of your chair when someone older than you comes into the room, and by all means, if they need a seat, you give them your seat. You'll be just fine, right? We taught them that. We absolutely did, and this principle is lost today. You parents that have young kids, teach your children this. Teach honoring age. Teach them this. Teach them that, that age is not something to run away from, but it's something, because listen, Lord willing, every single last one of us sitting in this room is gonna to live to a ripe old age, right? Especially if we get number one right, right? 
We're going to live to a ripe old age. And I want to tell you something. What you do now, how you sow into honoring age now is how you're going to be treated when you're aged. Yes. Yeah, I know. Some people are like, okay, you're going to want to reap honor. So you need to sow honor there. See, as a society, we just toss aside people when they get older. We just toss them aside. I mean, we're like, oh, that person's season's come and gone. And I'm going to tell you something. As the church in the kingdom of God, we need to do better. We should do better. We should be shining examples in this area right here. Now, back a couple of series ago in Sisterhood, we had a series that we did called Give Me This Mountain. Anybody remember that one? And we talked about the Old Testament character of Caleb. He wasn't a character. He was an actual person. At 80 years old, he was like, see that mountain? Give me that. Give me that mountain. So I'm going to tell some of us, all of us, as we get older, don't just sit down and expect everybody to honor you. Do something worth being honored for. Stand up at 80 and say, that that mountain right there, I think I'm going to be asking God for that. Give me that mountain. So that's that's two-sided, isn't it? That's good times. Y'all are so quiet. It's okay, though, because we're going on to number three. Our third seat of honor is authority. And I just lost some of you because you're like, rebellion's kind of my thing. It's just who I am. Well, I want to tell you, when I get finished with this, you're going to realize probably should tuck that back in. So hang with me. Romans 13.1 says, Let everyone be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Honor authority. Have have y'all ever seen a young child that is totally out of control? I said in the first service that, you know, Tim would be nervous. I knew he would get nervous when I started talking about this because he'd be so afraid I'd say this little boy's name because he left quite a mark on us, you know. But in our hometown where we grew up, there was this family, and they had this boy, this little boy. And how many of you know little boys grow up to be men? And um, he was out of control, a terror. Like, lock your doors you know, put the food away. You just need to understand your flower garden is going to be destroyed. Your animal, if you have a cat or a dog, that animal is getting ready to be tortured to the highest degree. This little boy was out of control. I mean, out of control. Because you know why? Because his mom and daddy never taught him to obey. They never gave him one consequence for disobeying. Y'all, ever, y'all, know, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Don't look at your neighbor. Just go, "Mm mm-hmm, I know what you're talking about. So this little guy, he, like I said, he did not obey his mom and dad because they didn't make him. Then he didn't obey his teachers. He did not obey his coaches. He did not obey his bosses. And today he's in prison. Woo! Right? Because that's what happens. If we don't submit to authority, we become slaves to it, literally imprisoned by it. That's how important authority is. You can't outrun all authority, y'all. I'm just going to tell you because eventually you will have to come under one way or the other, even if it's prison. That is, that's just real. A few weeks ago or a couple months ago, I was 
teaching on a Sunday morning, and I was teaching on having a teachable spirit, and the, the title of my message was, Get Over Yourself. Was anybody here for that one? But you know what? We have to get over ourselves in order to be able to honor other people. Right? We have to get over ourselves so that we can actually obey authority, get under authority, and honor the place of authority. Now, I put a note right here in my notes. We do not come under authority that is leading us to disobey God or his word. Do you remember Daniel in the Bible? Remember lion's den, all the big story, right? That whole deal. So what Daniel did is he still honored the king, the governing authority, but he took a stand for what was right for his God. And he used his voice for his God, right? And let me tell you what that ends up doing. That ends up bringing you more honor, not less. Because that's what happened to Daniel. You know, he, was into, he ended up being made like second over all the things in the world. Honor will open doors even further. See, people that love rebellion, they think honor is going to like stifle who they are. The reality is honor opens doors to you to become more of who God made you to be. That's all that it does. It's all that it does. It's an amazing thing. So the last seat of honor I want to talk about today is all. Say all. These are the one another's. The one another. So Romans 12, 10 says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor. Others-centered. Christianity. When Bailey and Eli were young, we had a saying. Then Casey came along because she came to live with us not too not They weren't very old then. So first we were teaching it to them. Then we all said it to each other. As we would leave our house to go for the day, we would say, go with courage and return with honor. Now, what do we mean by that? We meant that we wanted them to go unafraid and boldly with courage into the world around them, but we wanted them to come home carrying honor. All of us, me, Tim, and Casey included, all of us. We, we all, we wanted to go with courage, but we wanted to come back carrying honor. Does that make sense to you all? See, we can't do anything about other people. You can't make somebody else be honorable. Did you know that? Have you ever tried? You can't. You can't make them behave honorably. But what we can do is we can say, as for me, I am going to be an honorable person, period. This is a decision that you and I can make today. And some of us maybe need to. We can choose to live lives of honor for ourselves. We walk in honor because we are honorable people, not because those we are honoring always deserve it. It's about us. Last June, whew, I want to tell how many of y'all have ever been to Summer Jam at Life Church? Y'all have, y'all. Helen, you didn't raise your hand. You've never been so tired. You have never been so exhausted than after a week of summer jam. It's so much fun, and the kids are like, whoa! I mean, it's something. So we have been in it for a whole week, and Michelle had come to me. How many of y'all are enjoying your brown dog coffee this morning? Woo! I know. And me too. And mine's down there. I can't wait to finish drinking it in a minute. But she had come to me a few weeks prior, and she said, I really feel like we need to get to Washington, D.C. and put our feet there on the ground and pray. And I said, okay. So we finished that week of summer jam, exhausted, 
There's Nicole coming in. Hey, Nicole. We're just talking about Summer Jam last year and how exhausted we all were. Okay, so the Monday morning when it was over, we get in the car, exhausted, all of us, me, Gina, Nicole, and Michelle, we get in my car and we drive to Washington, D.C. We go to the Supreme Court. We put our feet on the ground in front of the Supreme Court and we begin to pray for life. We, get, we begin to pray for the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which came two and a half weeks later. And we prayed into that and prayed into that and believed it, declared life over our country in Jesus' name, declared that the highest court in the land would declare life as the basic human right. Now I'm gonna say to some of you, right behind God, if you can't honor the unborn who is the most vulnerable among us, check, your, check yourself, check your heart, check all of it. Check your beliefs, what are you believing in? So, I digress. So we, that's what we were there for. We were there to pray, and a few days later, we decided we were gonna go to Arlington National Cemetery. And we were gonna go watch the changing of the guard at um, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. How many of you have ever been there and witnessed it? Whew, it is really something. There'll be a picture up there of just one, it, it's a, that's actually a snapshot of a video because we were all crying so hard, I could not hardly, and I had seen it before. 100 degrees in the heat, tears streaming down our face as we kind of watched this sacred scene play out before our eyes. If you've ever been there, you understand the weight, the glory, and the honor around that whole situation there. So I'm going to take the next few minutes and speak about that. This act of honor began on July 2nd, 1937 at precisely midnight before many, few, or none. The exactitude is always the same, reverence and honor. Even during COVID when the entire city was shut down, it was still going on. They are guards and they are always guarding. If they, and they remove, they remove anything personal and they choose to remain unseen. It is a place to be in the same service. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, only exceptions are during an electrical storm, they can move to a sheltered area for a very few minutes. The remains of the soldier in the tomb came from the Great War, World War I, and the body was recovered and sent back to us from France. The guards are both men and women. They are from every race, religion, and creed, and they are all Americans. Their medals are spaced 1 64th of an inch apart. Their hat rim is two fingers above the eyes. They wet their gloves so that they can better hold their weapons, and they rehem their pants and their shirts so that the hem disappears from eyesight. Then we have the 21s for two complete years of service, 21 steps across the mat, 21 seconds of silence, switching the weapon from one shoulder to the other because the weapon is always between the crowd and the tomb, facing the tomb, and then 21 steps back. 
The tomb itself is made completely of marble and overlooks the city of Washington, D.C. On two sides are six wreaths that are carved into it representing the six major campaigns of World War I. One side is a Greek figure, and that figure actually represents peace, victory, and valor. And then my favorite is the fourth side. On the fourth side is inscribed these words, Here rests in honor glory an American soldier known but to God. The same people who sculpted the Lincoln Memorial created it. Then we have the guards themselves. They are U.S. Army soldiers from the old guard, serving as a sentinel at the Tomb of the Unknowns. It is an incredibly high honor, and their selection is rare. They accept less than 20% of those who volunteer only a fraction will become a guard. It is the most exclusive army badge that can be earned and the only military badge above it is that of the astronaut. They carry a loaded M14 weapon cleaned daily. They will call out disrespectful and dishonor, dishonorable behavior at the tomb. They are literally there to protect the tomb. And then there's the process which I just described of walking the mat that must be followed to the T each and every time. 21 is taken from the 21-gun salute, the highest military honor given. The guards wear no insignia showing their personal rank because they do not want to outrank whatever the rank was of the interred soldiers. Honor. They serve without ceasing, no matter the weather, no matter the time of the day or night. They work five days and they're off four days and they prep. Their first day back at work takes approximately eight hours to prep their uniform and get a fresh haircut. And the shoe shine itself takes four hours. Did I mention that these people are volunteers? They have memorized 35 typed pages of information about Arlington National Cemetery, and it must be recited flawlessly, including punctuation. The requirements for them are that they must be part of the Army's 3rd Infantry Regiment called the Old Guard. They must stand between 5 feet and 10 inches tall and 6 feet 2 inches tall, and their waist circumference can be great, no greater than 30 inches. They can have no tattoos or skin markings, no earrings or gauge holes, and they can wear no glasses. Their uniform has 100 points of inspection and no more than two minor infractions or they will fail. A minor infraction is anything more than 1 64th of an inch out of place, and no one has ever gotten all 100 points. That's why it takes eight hours for them to prepare for duty. The 21 steps is another 200 points of inspection. Why? Why all of this? Why? Why do all of this? Because of honor. Because see, they are honoring those soldiers who will remain nameless. We never know their name. They didn't get a hero's welcome but they gave all for our country. They gave everything that they had, including their life. And so these men and women 
they actually honor them by going to these great lengths. It's amazing. It's all about showing the highest honor. Honor is attractive. People come from all over the world to go to Arlington National Cemetery and watch the changing of the guard. It is a sacrificial service. Honor is about others. It's about laying down our own opinions and our own desires and what we may think all the time and honoring someone else, right? So as I close today on Mother's Day, I want to make it a little bit more personal. This is Piglet. Piglet's almost 27 years old this year. And honestly, he's not worth the detergent that we've tried to clean him with all these years. I mean, you can see him. His little arms aren't even in place anymore, and his little head, is, it's a lot. He doesn't even have fur on him anymore. And let me tell you something. Tim and me and Eli, we've always cared the utmost for little Piglet because we love his owner, Bailey. Because Bailey loves Piglet so much. We've always taken great care with him and made sure that he was honored, even though, like I said, he's not worth the price of the detergent that we've used to keep him clean all these years. But you know what? Even though this meant nothing to me and Tim and Eli, it meant everything to her. And because we love her, we want to honor what she loves, right? Do you know that people that you may show honor to, you may not even understand why you're feeling led to do that. You may have zero honor for them in your heart. But do you know what? We show them honor because we love the one who made them. We love the one who created them. We love the one who loves them and who has a plan for their lives, right? That's why we honor other people. And you know, it sounds very um, simple, and it is simple in, in listening to it. It's not so simple when you play it out, though, is it? Because what it can look like sometimes is guarding the tomb of the unknown soldier. So today, I'm going to leave you with one last scripture from 1 Timothy and it's from 117, and it says, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.